Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. Well, hello there. I hope you're wintering well, and as I am looking forward to spring, something I don't really talk about on the podcast is the fact that Canada Homeschools is actually sponsored by Canadian A Educational Resources, which is the home of Headphone History. All of this content on the podcast is free, but it isn't actually free to produce. You may have noticed that I haven't been posting many podcasts lately partially because of the circumstances outlined in our episode, Encouragement for a Rainy Day, but also because I have been working on Volume 2 of Headphone History. If you don't already know, Headphone History is a Canadian history curriculum that takes the form of an audiobook and a reproducible workbook. Today, I'd like to give you a little behind-the-scenes look at what goes into making Headphone History. Now, I just love history. You've probably figured that out by now. When I first met my husband, he was of the opinion that history was uninteresting. I really don't think that schools focus on history very much, and in Ontario at least, the one lonely, mandatory high school history credit isn't really a super interesting one. So, I get it. I managed to keep going and take all the other histories my high school had to offer, and then went on to study it for four years in university. One of the great things about homeschooling is that you can pursue more detailed and interesting aspects beyond the limitations of government-mandated curriculum. Some of our favorite resources have been audiobooks. Henty novels are historical novels that are amazing to listen to as audiobooks. We have owned and listened to the story of the world, the mystery of history, and what in the world at home and in the car. One day, as I was listening to one of those audio programs in my car, I don't even think the kids were with me at the time, I thought to myself, we need a Canadian one of these. Then another thought hit me. I could do this. Over the next couple of years, I spent my spare time researching and writing volume one and learning to record and edit audio, designing covers and logos, creating the workbook, and all the other things that go into creating headphone history. My narrator fell through and I decided to record it myself, even though I don't even like my voice on audio. I knew a homeschooled young person whom I commissioned to create the coloring pages art. She's an amazing artist and she is now studying art and design in university. I created the website and also found and added payment and product delivery software. It all took way longer than I had hoped, but finally, headphone history was birthed into the world. 
I designed the workbook as a digital PDF download for two reasons. One reason was, admittedly, that I could sell and deliver the product with automations that worked even when I was sleeping, parenting, or working. The other reason was that it was reproducible, and I wanted teachers and homeschoolers to have the flexibility to use it for all ages and use it the way it was most convenient. For example, families could simply listen and learn something. They could add the coloring and easy word finds to take it to the next level. There was copy work for the littles. If you don't have littles, you don't print those pages. If you don't want your students to do tests, don't print them. If you have eight children, print eight copies. If you are only doing a unit study, print the pages you need for that. Easy peasy. And this kept it affordable as well. I've been getting some requests from distributors for a published workbook version of the workbook. And so for the past month, I've been recreating it for publication. I have reorganized some of the pages. For example, I've put the copywork pages all at the back so that if you are not using it for primary students, a single student could use it in an uninterrupted way as a write-in work. By the time this episode airs, it should be available on Amazon and I will start to have it at headphonehistory.com as well. This will make it easier for distributors to sell it to their customers also. Working on Volume 2 in some ways has been a little easier because I have traveled this road once before, but still very time-consuming. With research, I have come up with a timeline of what this volume is going to cover. Volume 1 ended at about 1670, and I knew I needed to take listeners all the way to Confederation. This way, the two volumes would cover curriculum content requirements for grades 3 all the way to grade 8, or an entire elementary Canadian history curriculum. Then comes the research phase, although I constantly research during the actual writing as well. So far, I have compiled 500 pages of research notes. I watch videos, listen to history podcasts, and read books, as well as the trusty and not-so-trusty internet. I try to have a variety of sources, including specifically First Nations sources, so that I am writing from a well-rounded point of view. I work really hard to make sure the points of view are heard that have not been given a voice in our communication of history in decades past. I'm really sobered by the responsibility to get it right and to be honest and kind wherever I can. In writing the history, I'm aiming for about 60,000 words. As I first started to write the notes for this podcast, I was at over 50,000, and I thought it was going to be longer. Now, as I'm recording this podcast, I have 68,000 words, and that's just the history. After I've written all the situations, explanations, and facts, I have to edit it to make sure that I'm explaining things in a way that younger people can understand. And then I also go back and write creative stories to help spark the imagination and make the learning fun. Here's an excerpt from Volume 2 that will give you an example of this kind of writing. This bit may not be exactly how it is edited in the final cut, but you'll get the idea. In the early hours of the morning, before the dawn, Isaac Brock woke up to the furious sound of cannons being fired on Queenston. His mind raced immediately. Was this the main attack, or was it a decoy to draw attention from a real attack planned for Fort George? He quickly ordered an artillery unit to follow him, as well as a group of Mohawk warriors. He saddled his horse and left so fast that his aides ran after him in their pajamas, unable to catch up with him. 
The going was difficult because the recent storm had rendered the ground very muddy. Brock's horse had some trouble making its way, but still they pressed on. On the way to Queenston, Brock was intercepted by a young militiaman from York who had been sent to warn him of the attack. In the bustle and confusion of the attack, no one had remembered to light the signal fires that Brock had organized in preparation for such a situation. He kept going and passed the York militia who were on their way. When the grenadiers, who were gallantly holding their position at Queenston Village, saw Brock ride in, they cheered. He didn't stop, but kept riding all the way up the escarpment to where the light division was stationed. Retaining eight men and a 13-pound cannon, he sent the division down the hill to reinforce the grenadiers in defending their position. From the heights, he could see large numbers of Americans loading up in boats and crossing the river, despite the bullets landing all around them. Brock and his men kept their cannon aimed at the American shore and fired on them repeatedly. Suddenly, Brock heard a battle cry from behind him. The Americans had made it over the crest of the hill. Quickly, the British spiked their cannon so the Americans couldn't use it against them and scattered down the hill. Brock followed, moving so fast he did not even have time to get on his horse, which he pulled behind him. He made it safely to the village and was able to connect with his aide-de-camp, who had finally caught up. Macdonnell was given instructions to send for reinforcements. Meanwhile, Brock would have to do something because by the time reinforcements came, it could be too late. If they didn't hold Queenston Heights, the defensive line he had created along the border would be cut in half and it would only be a matter of time before the Americans were victorious. After all the history is written, as I said, I circle back and write creative stories of the events and people from the past from their points of view or experience. In volume one, I used my imagination to write a little story of the journey of Samuel de Champlain's wife to New France. This is a very different kind of writing from the facts and events of history, but it's worth the effort to help make the history come alive. Here's a brief piece that I'm working on from volume two. Thanadelther's stomach was aching with hunger. Two days ago, she had managed to snare a small rabbit, which she had eaten gratefully. She was used to the hunger, but she was not used to the overwhelming feeling of being utterly alone in the world. It was very tempting to just give up, but she must keep going. She was determined to find her people before her Cree captors found her. It was not likely they were still in pursuit after almost a year, but a few months of slavery at the hands of her enemies had made her and her friend determined to put as much distance between them as possible. They had escaped and traveled so far. Now her friend was dead, and she was alone. She just had to connect with her own people, for without a people, who was she? She must do it soon, before she would be forced to endure another brutally cold northern winter. She didn't know if she could face that again. She had traveled on foot for months, stuffing her worn moccasins with fur from the small animals she had been able to snare as they were getting worn out. The summer berries were long gone, and finding food was getting more difficult. The geese were gathering in flocks in preparations for the long flight south. Keep going, she told herself. Must keep going. Then Endelther froze as she heard a gunshot. It could mean only one of two things. Her enemies, the Cree, had guns from trading with the Hudson's Bay Company. Her people, the Chippewyans, did not have guns. So, it wasn't her people. 
or it could be members of the Hudson's Bay Company themselves. She wasn't sure if this option posed as much danger as the Cree, or if they would be able to get her to safety. A flock of geese had been startled into flight by the gunshot, and a few other shots followed. It's a hunting party, not a war party, she reasoned. She would approach cautiously and see what her options were. If they were Cree, she would attempt to retreat into the forest silently and continue her journey while taking a wide detour. If members of the Hudson Bay Company, she would take her chances. She picked up a trail and followed the tracks to a clearing by a small creek. To her relief, it was a group of Hudson's Bay men who had set up their tents as a base from which to hunt geese. She lifted her chin, strode into the clearing, and after a few strides, fainted in a crumpled heap at their feet, overcome with exhaustion, cold, hunger, and hopeful relief. So once it's all written, it has to be read and recorded to audio, and the audio has to be edited. In Volume 2, I will divide it into more separate tracks to make it easier for users to access specific topics. I try to listen to feedback and make improvements where I can. I have to license the music, find and add sound effects, then I have to burn the tracks onto CDs and create the packaging. My husband helps me to shrink wrap the finished product to prevent damage. He's just better than me with the heat gun because he's amazing with power tools. The website needs to be updated. My illustrator has already completed the coloring pages for volume two and I still have to create the worksheets, quizzes, and tests. Then the workbook will be available in PDF digital and I will also publish it in book form. I'm really excited about the cover for Volume 2 as it contains one of my favorite photographs from a trip to Lewisburg Fortress on a family vacation. So that's what I've been up to lately and will be for the next few weeks. I'm recording this of March 2020 and conference season is starting. I plan to be at Alberta this year as well as New Brunswick so I'm excited about that and I hope to see you there. I'm speaking on both the joy of teaching history and homeschool burnout at the Kitchener-Waterloo conference, so be sure to stop by and say hello. I plan to be at Ocheck in Ontario and Rideau Valley as well. Well, I better sign off now and get Finishing Headphone History Volume 2. In case you don't already know, you can get it at headphonehistory.com. Thanks so much for listening to my update. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!